0: Practice, and this is all we can do. Practice putting curiosity over judgment. Ask more questions.
1: Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, this podcast is a general education purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness, and we always recommend that you see a licensed professional accordingly. This week, we are celebrating the month of love, whether it's self-loved, of a loved one, or something like Galentine's. February is the month of love, and love is a critical factor for our well-being. And I know we've done tons of scientific deep dives on the show about the importance of community and connection on our health. Specifically, I recommend checking out episodes 476 on Social Isolation, 447, about basic needs not counting as self-care and 499 where we talk about genetics epigenetics and social determinants of health as being impactful on health as well because community is so important but today we're going to talk about a different angle as we all look to bring more love forward today we have humble the poet here and his new book how to be loved is Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Way to a Better Life. All things that I'm interested in, and I'm looking forward to his insightful stories about personal experiences with love and down-to-earth advice, the most important lessons he's learned, which apparently is love isn't found or earned, it's realized. So we'll learn more about that. But a little introduction about I'm going to mispronounce your name, and I hope that you can connect. correct me. Kanwar Singh?
0: Yes, okay. every, everybody, including my siblings, mispronounce my name, so don't worry about it. Okay, uh, how do we pronounce yeah. it properly? Kanwar, the W and the V and W get interchanged in Punjabi, so it's Kanwar. The N is nasal, but I grew up in Toronto. People call me Kanwar, or some people call me Kanwar. So the only time I've ever actually heard my name pronounced properly, I'm probably in trouble for my mom.
1: like a full the when you get like all of your names at once
0: Yeah. yeah so yeah mine is when i hear it pronounced properly that's the only time i'm getting in trouble and yeah it was so tricky that my sisters grew up and they couldn't say it so i have a plethora of nicknames and it's yeah so humble's fine as well
1: okay well also you go by humble the poet and our canadian foreign rapper a spoken word artist poet international bestselling author and former elementary school teacher, which I'm sure a lot of listeners weren't expecting after I read all those other things. So I'm excited to explore that and a little more about you, what you began as reciting spoken word poetry in coffee shops. I hope this to impress girls evolved into a creative adventure that has spanned the last 10 years, crossing genres and mediums and all different kinds of things. And previously, your book releases were Unlearn in Things Nobody Can Teach Us, which are international bestsellers. So our listeners can all find all of this out at humblethepoet.com as well as your social media. We'll give a rundown of all of that at the end, as well as put links in the show notes for you. But I wanted to give a little description of your latest book, because I think it'll be a good intro into you, which is that we all want love. Everything we do is in pursuit of it, but as we count likes on social media and measure our worth by numbers in our bank accounts, we are programmed to see love as something to earn or win. That programming obscures the simple truth that we ourselves are beautiful, infinite, eternal sources of love. Instead of seeking to be loved by the world, we must be loved. So for those that aren't familiar with your work, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself?
0: Yeah. I was, thank you for that amazing intro. Yeah, I'm Toronto born and raised. And yes, I was an elementary school teacher. I love school so much. I started working in one. And as I became an adult with a job, I started pursuing other avenues after work with the desire to meet women and performing smoking word in coffee shops became one of them. But that also started this journey of creativity and learning and realizing one of the reasons I love schools, I love learning and I love learning new things. And that keeps me feeling like I'm growing and evolving and I'm alive. I'm not on autopilot. And uh, when I got into music, and at some point I didn't have access to equipment, a good friend recommended that I focus on what's in my control, which was writing. I could only write at that point, even if I couldn't record what I was writing or film it or whatever. And so I got into the written word and very quickly I realized that the theme of everything I write is this concept of unlearning, just realizing, oh, how do we have these ideas? Where do they come from? Why do we have them? Are they serving us? And my first book is called Unlearned for that purpose. And then the second book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us, is for that same kind of concept of us looking inwards for wisdom, us clearing pathways for clarity more so than acquiring things and gaining more from letting go. And in the new book, How to Be Loved, it's the same idea. It's challenging conventional ideas around love, questioning where they came from, whether it's Rom coms, Disney, porn, tradition, religion, whatever. And exploring how much of that has been ingrained into us and who that benefits, who that hurts, and reframing how we can look at love to realize that we're a source of it. And again, we don't have to be or do or accomplish anything to realize love. We just have to clear away a path for it to exist. I
1: love. All of that. I also love how smart your friend was to say you can write. You don't have all this equipment. You could do whatever, but you can write. That was so smart. And
0: yeah, they were literally saying stop making excuses. Love it. We yeah, focus need on what's like in. That. Yeah, focus on what's in your control, and set yourself up to be in a position where you're not dependent on other people to get the job done. Because with that's going to come inevitable challenges and disappointments.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. What you recall is how you first started to go against the grain or conventional wisdom, I heard you say, right? I'm a parent. I can see the difference between when I was younger and the beliefs that I held because they impacted me personally or I felt a certain way. And then now seeing it through my own eyes onto my children and seeing how they're affected by some of these same societal standards and not wanting to participate that. I can't imagine being a teacher, being immersed in some of that world and the lessons you might've learned and what a bridge it would have been to then going to spoken word. And I love that you proudly changed that conventional wisdom, but was there like a particular spark or something that you were able to nurture in that beginning to bring you to the force that you are today?
0: Yeah, I think I remember when I was still in university doing my student teaching to where you volunteer in a classroom and be the student teacher. And I was doing the first grade. And in Toronto, it was winter and sending the kids out to recess. I said, put on your boots and your snow pants. And then the kids would put on their boots and then try to get the snow pants over the boots and then all fall over. And the teacher being like, look, they take things literally. You have to say, put on your snow pants and then your boots. There's not that, you might as an adult be able to process the difference and figure out what to put first. And I think it helped me realize that, oh my God, at one point I was an empty vessel, just like these little subhuman, whatever they were at that point, kids. And I think it made me start to question who I was because I was like, oh, I'm not, I didn't come out of the box like this. I was taught a lot of things and it's not nature versus nurture, it's nature and nurture and how they work together and how your nature and your nurture collide to create who you are. And then that had me thinking about everything being like oh wait i was taught certain things then you start to travel now i could afford to go on a bachelor party in on a caribbean island or whatever it may be then you start to see people living completely different lives having completely different priorities and being like oh wait like you mean the way i do things isn't the way everybody does things and the things that i think are important aren't the things that everybody thinks are important so i think that was also one of those revealing moments and then I think after a few years of being a teacher, specifically, I was working with a youth group and it was with a bunch of young professionals trying to give back to the youth. And somebody said, we were talking about different issues that were plaguing the neighborhood. I, I grew up and I worked in a challenging neighborhood. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the adults or young professionals, and I believe he was a doctor, he said, the kids just don't listen. And I remember just saying to myself like, no, you don't know how to speak to them. I'm a teacher, I know how to speak to kids. And I think that is what got me getting it got me into poetry and realizing these kids all looked up I grew up on hip-hop and spoken word and understanding that as a vessel to communicate an idea to somebody and meeting people where they're at as a parent i'm sure you realize how more effective it is to go down to your kids eye level and speaking to them where they're at so i think all of these things little breadcrumbs started to reveal themselves and um again selfishly i just want to keep growing and learning and even with all these books i don't frame myself as an expert in any of these topics i, I frame myself as the kid at the front of the class taking very thorough notes. very taking very thorough no- notes and it's important for me you know and i think this is as a species this is how we've gotten this far as each one teach one and that really is what got me into viewing life through this lens of Kind of counterintuitive ideas because then you start to ask yourself like is it a conspiracy that we believe certain things is it is it in our nature and then you realize that the answer can just be yes to everything they can they want us to feel like less than enough so we'll buy sh- and keep this economy going otherwise everybody would be okay with one pair of shoes and two outfits and a decent car or whatever and it's no we need to use commercial products to reflect our personality we need to spend money on endless useless things and again there's parts of the world that do not participate in this they don't do any of this and oftentimes those people's quality of life and happiness are much higher so i think for me specifically it's really taking a look at those lenses and now that i've been doing it long enough i've been Granted the space to really absorb a lot and spend more time traveling, not only inwards and outwards, but with everybody I meet. And I think that's become really important for me to continue this journey of unlearning and then sharing what I've learned with a community of readers and listeners and followers that continue to put me in a position to keep doing it.
1: I think there's so much about what you said that's powerful. And you're aware I'm a foster parent, so I have three biological children. And when you said, look down onto your children it's funny because i have to look
0: up. oh wow
1: to my 17 year old son at this point. but
0: gotta get the step stool out
1: yeah it's funny when i hug them like i'm at their chest versus like when they were mm. growing up and they're but it's like just a completely different wonderful dynamic but yeah. uh, it's been interesting to bring a new person into the home that i didn't raise from a baby who had a challenging childhood who had difficult life, whether it be parenting, the neighborhood they grew up with, like just a plethora of difficulties and seeing the eyes, seeing the world through their eyes helped me unlearn so much that I had taken for granted about my own upbringing or my kid's own upbringing. And that was one of the reasons that we wanted to foster is we wanted to help our children see how privileged they were and see what some of the world is going through and Mm. that we have the power to help and to make a difference and i have three white blonde blue-eyed male children like they have more privilege than almost anyone in the world and to see their compassion now like my youngest has a passion for helping the people without a home and he Mm. likes to give meals and what can we do this holiday season and like different things like that and i think um it's like I said, it's interesting to take a step back and think, okay, how can I unlearn some of the things that I learned before and take in some of this new information? And one of the things that's so problematic is that we just live in our own bubbles, right? Like social media, neighborhoods, all of these things, they're so insular in how our bubbles are. And then it's difficult to try to unlearn or to learn from other people because you're only surrounded with the same belief system. That is just constantly pouring in validation to beliefs that, like you said, when you travel or you go somewhere else and you're seeing different things or you're hearing different things, if we're not open to that, we can't continue to grow. And I was going to save it later for the Patreon, but you brought up like this idea of love and happiness by participating in this give back of the world, right? And people being okay with one pair of shoes and a simple car or whatever. And I think it's twofold, like one, it's more complicated than that. I think that we humans have evolved mentally to have this battle with our existential dilemma and then also being bored with the life that we have. If we're just sitting around and not doing anything, that's not fulfilling. But then if we do too much, that's overwhelming. And so we're in this like weird limbo that's filled with, oh, just acquire more stuff. That will make you happy. Just do these things. And I think it ends to what you were saying because our own internal driver doesn't really know what our purpose is in a lot of ways. And for me, and it sounds like your own experience, I found that purpose in giving back, right? Like finding ways to be of service in the community. And I don't know if you've heard of the Harvard Happiness Study, but there's real science out there to show that those things lead to your own happiness, more so than buying the luxury car, buying the luxury purse or whatever it is, that like giving that same amount of money to somebody else actually brings you more joy.
0: 1,000% as it, love is a verb, love is service. In, in Sikh philosophy, which I grew up in, it, the word is Seva, And it is, it's what allows you to realize you're part of something bigger than yourself. It's what allows you to realize you have value. Everybody wants to feel like they matter. They think the lime green Lambo will make them feel like they matter. But helping somebody have a meal, helping somebody who is currently unhoused find a place to sleep, These will also let you know you matter. These will also let you know that your footprint can have an impact and and validate your existence. And uh, nobody gets in your way when you wanna help other people. A lot of people will get in your way when you wanna help yourself, but very few people get in the way when you wanna help others. And it's, it's exactly that. It's going through this journey and just slowing down and asking. And I think also we've been slowly turned into dopamine addicts, looking at our phones, TV, what is our downtime? What is our definition of alone time? All of this still involves some sort of reward system that we're getting. And that's what's really messing up our wiring. I think for a long time, human beings were able to sit around and do absolutely nothing. Just I'd,
1: stare into the fire.
0: <laughs> just stare into the fire. My, my parents grew up in a village in India. They, when I went, when I, as a child, went to go visit my grandparents and great-grandparents, they literally worked from 7, 6, 7 a.m. till about 11 a.m., Doing the farming, and then it got too hot, and then they just sat under a tree. And again, I'm not saying they were all meditating. Some were drinking, some were gossiping, some were doing whatever. But it was a much slower pace of life. And, and that's most animals. I have a puppy here. Been taking a nap right beside me while I do this interview. She actually knows the moment I stop talking, the moment the interview is done, she'll start bothering me. But as long as I talk, she'll leave me alone. But all other animals, they chill. Like they eat, sleep, procreate, and chill. And it's somehow we've been sucked into this idea that, no, you're not an animal. You're not a living creature, you're a robot. You gotta be processing endlessly. You gotta be a washing machine, endlessly washing. You gotta be a computer, endlessly computing. And that takes a toll on us. But then they're like, oh, are you tired? Here's a bunch of caffeine. Are you wired? Here's some pills to help you fall asleep. Are you anxious? Here's something to suppress that. It's just, there's an economy built on the problems and the solutions. And a lot of it will, a lot of it will be addressed just by serving and serving doesn't mean whatever you have for somebody else or giving everybody what they want. Serving just means leaving somebody better off than you found them. And if you, that's all you can do, that's fine.
1: Or even just being compassionate, I think, can feel really helpful for both parties. Like some people just, they want to know that they're heard and seen the way that you were talking about. And if they don't have the green Lamborghini, it can be just as rewarding to be like, I see you, you're cold. Do you want help? Do you like, it's funny you talked about your puppy because how many times have we all said, in my next life, I want to come back as my dog. But how are we manifesting those things in our own life to slow down and to take more naps and to snuggle with people? And if that's what you want in life, you do we have the power to do that, but we don't because society pushes us to believe that's not possible. It also reminded me that you celebrate all different kinds of diversity, from animals as well as from all different kinds of walks of life and people. And I think a lot of our listeners, I know for me for a long time, this was a problem, find that my instinct is instead of self-love is to judge others because then you feel better about yourself, right? If you're putting someone in a less than position, then automatically you feel more than instead of, going to a place where you start to really pour into your own self-love and self-care. I'm wondering if you have given your take from Unlearn and How to Be Loved, like recommendations and tips for people on how to to start on doing that. Because I know a lot of our listeners don't want to. I know I don't want to, but I do find myself judging sometimes. And I have to reframe. I have to stop and start again, so to speak.
0: Yeah, one of the subtitles in the book is "Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself." So I think generally when I have these conversations, it's pointing out that oftentimes these qualities that we would prefer not to have are baked into us. They're the software that comes with the like the calculator in your phone. You can't get rid of it. They served a the purpose for tens of thousands of years, most likely to keep us alive in dangerous situations. And now that we're in environments where our physical safety isn't as concerning, we're not worried about. As many predators or we're not worried as many dangers on a daily basis, they no longer serve us. Whether it be the level of paranoia, whether a wheel of emotions that humans can experience, the vast majority are negative. And that is because of survival. So I think the first thing is when we recognize we have these qualities, it's okay. And there isn't a magic eraser to make them go away. This is a part of us has been etched in our DNA and our biological evolution will take way longer than the speed that we are having a physical evolution around us. So I think that's the first thing to look at. I do the analogy around, because just a pot, I'm not Christian, but the popular story of Adam and Eve and biting from the tree of good and evil, how that was there. It all went downhill after that. That's what judging is, the distinction of good and evil, deciding this is good, this is bad, even though we have a horrible ability to assess anything because we don't want a crystal wall we don't know if rain outside is bad. We don't know if winning the lottery is good. We don't know any of these things. We actually don't know. We just discern them. And so our ability to judge is there. I think it's just about catching ourselves while we do it and saying, look, I don't have enough information. Anybody who judges me generally lives in the nosebleed section of my life and has a very limited view of who I am. And then also recognizing that it has to go Both ways. So we can't just absorb all the positive judgments and then discard the negative. It's understanding that even people, you have an audience of listeners who, again, get a limited view of you. I have an audience that gets a limited view of me. What they say, positive or negative, isn't a true reflection of either of us. And in order to not be impacted by the negative, you also have to not be impacted by the positive. And there is a quote in the book that says, We judge because we're insecure and we're insecure because we judge. And those insecurities are, that's what blocks our flow of love. That's what gets in the way of us realizing more love in our lives. So I would encourage people to recognize that your instincts, your knee-jerk reaction will be to judge a situation or a person or an idea. But practice, and this is all we can do, practice putting curiosity over judgment. Ask more questions. Just ask, put a question mark at the end of everything that comes out of your mouth. That's what the smartest people do. Just ask more questions. If you say something to me right now that I that triggers something in me, let's say you have an a, an opinion that doesn't align with mine, I can judge you and just think that okay, she's a horrible person, or I can just ask a question. I can ask for clarity. I've been very fortunate to be around people in 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 situations and completely bond with them in real life situations and then spend a week with them on a retreat going hiking or doing ice baths and then later connecting with them on instagram and then seeing their actual political beliefs and being like whoa oh okay i would have had i known this we would have never been friends but now we are friends and now we can have conversations and okay you, you live in a rural part of the country and your beliefs and your perspectives and your views of things are going to be completely different than mine and now that we have a mutual respect and love We don't have to bang heads with each other. We can actually have conversations. And you're also allowing me out of the echo chambers of my own algorithm. Because I live in a big city. I'm going to be around people with big city ideas. Those are generally going to lean more left because there's more of a we're all in it together. People that live in the middle of nowhere all by themselves or in small rural communities, their ideas are going to to lean a lot more right because they don't need to have a we're all in it together mindset. And most of the stories they're hearing are ones that they're hearing. So I think for me, it's that. And I also would strongly encourage people to seek out people who think, live, learn, love, believe, completely different from you. And the scarier the thought is, the closer you are. (laughs) And I think that's really important. Yeah.
1: I've, I've mentioned it before, but I think like a really great way to Introduce this idea to yourself is the documentary Social Dilemma, especially Mm -hmm. for people who are spending a lot of time online to understand how we get in these echo chambers and how it can create this clash. Because while you would have met that person and you guys went hiking and you have connection, then you see what your beliefs are online and you're like, oh, now it's very polarizing or I wouldn't have been friends with this person that way. But the ultimate point is because you developed an actual relationship with someone because they became part of your community, then it becomes, are you going to just kick them out and put the Scarlet A? Or can you have an intellectual conversation where you learn something from them, they learn something from you, maybe agree to disagree, but you can at least find compassion in where the other might be coming from. And that like understanding is where I think a lot the last 10, 20 years in our society has really been eroding because we get stuck in these echo chambers and it feels, oh, that's all the person is because that's the piece that you're seeing online. Really, I, I have shared like I'm an atheist and that's really off-putting for a lot of people. They have a really hard time. with it. And then I say to them, And I am doing the work that Christians say is the ultimate form to support what their belief is. Like, I am a foster parent. Is there anything more, like, supportive of those beliefs? Like, the fostering community is largely based in church. And so I go to support groups and I have community and I have all these things of very religious people. And my understanding of what their beliefs would be or like my expectation of what they would say or do have been entirely different over the last couple of years than I assumed. Like I grew up in religion and so the type of religion and judgment and assumptions that I heard are different than the people who are actually doing the work and see the impacts to community and children, all that kind of stuff. And so now I have a completely different perspective on Religion. I don't have Mm. the only negative perspective that I had growing up. I I had bad experience or whatever. Now I can see that there are people out there who can still be compassionate and doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff, which wouldn't have happened if I wasn't physically making the connection to the community like you were talking about. This podcast is sponsored by Vegamore. Yes, the hair products that promote healthy growth that I have been using, loving, and obsessed with for almost two years now. I hadn't been able to have healthy hair growth since I was postpartum with Wesley over 12 years ago, but between autoimmune and long haulers, my shedding had gotten out of control. I was seeing huge clumps of hair everywhere, and I know I'm not alone. Hair loss happens as a result from aging, from anxiety, from lack of sleep, from nutrient deficiencies, and even prior hair care products or environmental stressors. I found Vagamore searching for the cleanest ingredients and proven results and is the only one that met my standards clinically tested to improve density up to 52% and reduce shedding by 76%. This was huge for me. Like I could tell within a couple of washes of my hair that my shedding had reduced 91% of customers say they saw visibly thicker hair with Vagamore. In just three months after 15 months i had the hair of my dreams i can't tell you everywhere i go people are like oh my gosh your hair is so long and full i love their holistic approach to hair health because it uses smart botanicals that promote visibly thicker fuller longer looking hair without the use of harmful chemicals and all of their products are cruelty free and never contain parabens or synthetic fragrance seriously vegamore has transformed my hair and they have something for everyone looking to improve their hair health i personally love the grow revitalizing shampoo and conditioner foundation kit um, that has a clarifying serum which is so good to like massage your scalp before you wash your hair and it activates blood flow and all kinds of good stuff. Um, I also love their dry shampoo. <laughs> I just took a trip and I literally let Cassie Dre Garcia of Fed and Fit borrow my dry shampoo because I was like you have got to try this trust me it's the best and she agreed it was amazing um and it smells so good even using just fruit oils so I personally think that it is worth you checking out especially because there is no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. I put all my favorites for you at vegamore.com wholeview, so you can get the hair you have always wanted with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com slash wholeview to use code wholeview to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash wholeview, code whole view to save 20% at Vagamore.com slash whole view. February is here. It is time to treat yourself to some self-care of better beauty with beauty counters best discount offer. Use code clean for all three zero for 30% off your whole order This exclusive offer is when using an email that's never purchased before. And if you don't love it, you have 60 days to return it. No questions asked. Why not try? This is a great way to give the brand that is literally changing America's personal care industry a try. Not sure where to start? I love helping you pick out just the right thing to love the skin you're in. Email me, stacy at realeverything.com if you want help or how about a simple solution for tired eyes? The countertime Eye Cream is not only the best I have ever used, but it has been featured in countless press articles and won several awards, and one jar lasts me a full year. Plus, shopping with me supports my woman-owned small business, and you're voting with your wallet by choosing a certified B Corp whose mission is to get safer products into the hands of everyone through health protective laws while also giving back to people, and planet through sustainable, fair trade ingredients, and 30% off with code Clean for All 30 won't last long. February 2023 only. After that, it'll be back to Clean for All 20 for 20% off again. Go to beautycounter.com/staceytop just like any other website.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also just, I think that's a really good way to frame it too, is social media is so reductive. You can only be one. You can be the writer. You can be the podcast host. You could be the atheist. You could be the hardcore Christian. You can be whatever, but you get reduced to these single kind of descriptors. And everybody's much more than that. And I haven't, I can guarantee you, everyone you meet wants a better tomorrow than they had yesterday. They want the best for the people they consider family. They want to feel safe They wanna be hopeful towards something. They wanna have fun in their life. That's everybody you ever meet, irrespective of who they voted for, irrespective of who they love, irrespective of their definition of marriage, irrespective of anything. This is what people want. And I think it's also extremely important to understand that there are a lot of entities making a lot of money off of these kind of culture wars that we think that we need to fight. These are very effective distractions from things that actually are impacting us on a day-to-day basis and if we find ourselves arguing with other people in the working class versus really paying attention to the people who are completely exploiting workers humans the environment for their own personal gain with no opportunity to reverse any of that damage then it really works out and and it really plays on our need our kind of our inherent need for validation and intention we required that to understand ourselves in small communities now we count our likes and our follows and all of that so you know i can spend half a day arguing finding somebody to argue with about abortion or finding someone to argue with about whether the little mermaid can be black You're finding someone to argue with about pronouns. And then meanwhile, the conversation is about, okay, how many people in this country can pay their bills? And and how is the education system designed to keep them down? And how are these laws? Why are there fines for certain things? And why, why are there two different classes of people in this country? And let's have those conversations. And it's a very challenging thing to have. And why are we worshiping billionaires like they're celebrities? And it's a really interesting thing to look at as distractions. And there's an economy built around it. Now people are watching films and they think they're being activists. I'm like, you're giving money to a corporation, and it's a really, inter- it's a really interesting game when you start to watch it. And it's really just even in my own personal experiences watching individuals participate in these kind of. Discourses, no, no one's there to learn. They're very often there to be heard or to be seen. And if you post something on social media tomorrow and everyone's like, great episode, great job. And then I just leave not even a horrible comment. I'll just be like, not your best. That's enough for me to get attention from you and attention from your audience. And all of a sudden, and that scratches an itch. I can be seen. What I don't realize is then I have to keep doing that to be seen.
1: Versus
0: the negative attention. Yeah. The negative attention or or the attention for being infamous versus the attention somebody might get for being excellent, which it comes simply from repetition. You're excellent in the space of having conversations and hosting podcasts because you have hundreds and hundreds of episodes. It just comes from repetition. You got better. How do we skip the line? To say a bunch of polarizing. But now you're stuck to do that forever. And History has shown us with outrageous artists like Marilyn Manson and Eminem, it doesn't last. You can only be outrageous for so long until people get used to you. So instead, let's just get better. Let's just keep getting better at what we do. Because what that will also do is it'll feed our self-respect. And when we feed our self-respect, we'll spend less time chasing self-esteem, which is what everybody else thinks of us. And that is a core ingredient for realizing more love within.
1: Something you said is that people don't want to learn they want to what's
0: the word you learn you use yeah yeah, feel seen
1: and I think I think I would challenge you on that not that I disagree but that I do think that people a lot of people not everybody wants to learn but doesn't know how or doesn't know where to start or it feels wrong or different because that's not how society has taught them or that's not the path and so it's if a listener is listening to the show, if someone is following you, clearly they want to learn. They want They want to try to make a difference. It's just a matter of oftentimes I know it feels like, where do I even start? Like, it's so messed up. It's so ingrained. It's so deep. It's happening so long. Like, our country was founded on these problems, taking property from people, things that we realize now are really wrong. But when I was in elementary school, Columbus Day was Columbus Day. It was not Indigenous Peoples Day. We're breaking the cycle, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of unlearning. It's a lot of choosing love. It's a lot of choosing a difficult path that sometimes feels really, I don't know, improbable for some people, I would say, to feel like they can embrace that or can do the learning. Or I, I think what I found in this, you were talking about big city or rural people. I think I say this because I've learned that there are a number of individuals who simply have not had life experience to understand the impacts of their belief right so it's like they believe a certain thing because they've never had the life experience to understand somebody else's lived experience trying to explain to them this is harmful because xyz right and then If they themselves, for example, I have an LGBTQ child, right? If I had no familiarity and no support of the LGBTQ culture before I had that child, I might not understand the impact. I might not understand how it's dangerous for my trans child to use a public restroom and that I need to think about where we're going to go on vacation in the country because in some states they're not safe. Yet, once I have that trans child as a parent, I'm immediately going to understand that experience in a different way and begin to be compassionate to those experiences. And I just, I feel like a lot of people, it's not that they don't want to learn. They haven't, maybe they haven't had the opportunity or the lived experience. Does that resonate or make sense what I'm trying to say?
0: It does. I think what the lived experience does is it tells you, oh, wait. I don't know something. So I think the best way to measure yeah, a smart person. Yeah. yeah, like the best way to measure a smart person is to see how often they say, I don't know. That's how you can find a smart person. And the interesting thing is, and again, I was an elementary school teacher. I think the interesting thing, going back to, to to the original kind of conversation that we're having about the learning, is how did we learn anything, right? So let's talk about reading, for example. We were placed into a structured system to learn how to read and it started with the letters in the alphabet then the sounds of the letters then two letter words then three letter words and we slowly worked our way up to be able to read harry potter by the time we were like 12 13 right so it was like a 10 year journey to get us there that somebody else has systematically wrote out and we were placed in we didn't have a choice to go to school we were placed in school and every single day there was slow, steady, and hopefully if your teacher was good, fun, repetitious work to get you there that aligned with the development of your brain. Now, if people want to learn, they try to do it themselves, even though they've never actually learned much other than going through that system. Independently.
1: yeah. Uh, independently. Like there isn't a structure for that.
0: There isn't a structure for that. I work out three days a week. The only reason I work out three days a week is I have a trainer that shows up. If he doesn't show up, I'm not doing it. I respect my limits. I understand I need an accountability buddy. As a self-employed individual, um, I pay a lot of people to tell me what to do. And that's the only way it's getting done. I have assistants that literally have to sit beside me with a big stick for me to get my work done. And this is understanding and respecting my limits. And I think that's the first thing that's important. I think. We can't all, talking about experiences, as I said, like you live in certain environments, you'll never cross people that think or believe or act different than you. I was fortunate. I grew up in a country where I'm a visible minority. On a day-to-day basis, my existence was challenged and that forced me to keep my mind open. If I went back to India, my people represent 2% of the population there. So again, minority. I grew up in a world where I would, I, a safe space wasn't something that I thought about. That is not a story that I tell from a mindset of a victim. I look at that as a privilege. I look at it. I actually feel bad for anybody who grows up in homogenous societies because their beliefs aren't challenged. They don't know if their thoughts are their own. I think that's really important. I definitely had an experience where I had I had met somebody from the LGBTQ community, and they explained to me that every time they go to an event, the first thing they do is assess all the exits if they have to make a quick. And that was something I was like, oh wow, I didn't ever think about that. Thank you for exposing me to your lived experiences. (laughs) Again, if I have to wait for the almighty algorithm to show me that, it's not going to happen. So we have to go out there and we have to seek it. And I think that's really important. But I think, and this is really, and I think this is an experience that I've had and a debate I've had within my own ethnic community, which is education isn't, What's required. It's not even generational. There's people who are open to ideas different than theirs, and there are people who aren't. People do not need to know what a sick individual is, what a person from Punjab or North India is to show me love, respect, and compassion. They don't have to have any concept of who I am to respect me. They just have to show me human decency and respect. I think there's a funny TV show called Rami on Hulu, and there's a, an old Egyptian mother driving a car, and a trans individual sits in the back. And first she asks if that individual is going to a Halloween party, which gets her in a lot of trouble. Then she realizes, no, this is how the individual chooses to look. And then she becomes a mom and instantly, like, oh, I see you have the same ugly eyebrows that my daughter does. I have these special tweezers. Let me help you. And then it became this, she's still disrespecting the individual, but from a mother's perspective. And I thought it was really clever how they showed that, where she doesn't require any education. She was just like, oh yeah, my daughter also has very thick eyebrows. I noticed yours are thick. I found these tweezers by Kylie Jenner on, on the shopping network. Let me, and I can send you a link. And it was a whole thing about, she gets a low rating and she's trying to figure out whether it was the eyebrow comment or whether it was the costume party. The whole thing. experience. The whole experience, <laughs> yeah. It was, but it was hey, really- man,
1: A lot of people pay good money for those big eyebrows.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was just really interesting because it reminded me of my mom. She would say something like that. She would, she could, the culture the cultural issues would, wouldn't be there as much as her just being a judgmental mom. And that's what yeah. moms do. But I think when I think about it from those contexts, I think it's just really important that we understand that. Yeah, I think over half the population of the United States doesn't own a passport. Heavily encouraged not to leave. As I said, a lot of this comes into the education system. It's not an accident that Christopher Columbus... It's not
1: accessible to get a passport. You have to take off of work during the day. You have transportation. Like, you have to have a birth certificate. And you know what I mean? By, By
0: design. By des- You know what I'm saying? A lot of this is by design, and and I think it's really important to recognize that and view that, and I and also cognitive ability. That in itself is something that there's not much that you can do to impact that. I don't think there's any science supporting the idea that you can change your IQ. Mm-hmm. So now when you start to think about this, and you start thinking about processed foods, you start to think about all of this, again, it's those who run the show. It's in their benefit to have a bunch of people who don't know a world around, beyond them, don't have any financial literacy, don't have access to critical thinking, and they are gonna have to work some menial job on a day-to-day just to keep their lips above water. And I think a lot also, be completely terrified of anybody who's not them. Because here's the thing, as things start to, let's say for example, Columbus Day, I think that was a great example. We grew up with it, thinking this guy was God's gift to the world, he discovered the new world, blah, 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 all that made up and then people with critical thinking get into positions of authority and, wait, we're gonna change this to indigenous people. There's the original people that lived here and they were done and treated poorly. Let's acknowledge them. Now, there's gonna be somebody, some aspiring politician who understands that, okay, these millennial-aged individuals who are, who are decision-makers now are changing culture. I can benefit by scaring the older demographic into thinking the world's changing knowing the older demographic will show up to the polls, he's going to pull on their nostalgia strings.
1: I think some people don't even realize that those nostalgia strings, or it can often happen on the complete opposite side of the spectrum as well, right? People are pulling on strings of things that feel deep within us. And it's our job as individuals to reframe because it comes into that judgment you originally brought in it's creating that like knee-jerk reaction we're making assumptions about what the worst case scenario things Mm -hmm. will be and our own impact accordingly oftentimes we're coming from a place of protection of ourselves or loved ones yeah and then having that knee-jerk reaction versus (laughs) one of the things that you talk about that i think is really great topic that i hope Becomes conversation and discourse in in the general population, which is this idea of sitting with pain or experiencing pain, not to seek it out, but no, because I've helped a traumatized foster child have to overcome a lot of traumas and difficulties in life. We can't just push things down. We can't just ignore. We can't just, in this case, this example, we can't just, no, we're not going to do that. We can't shut down. We can't shut off. We have to sit with things sometimes even if they're negative even if they even if our perception of the impact to ourselves is this feels like a problem or this feels like pain if we don't allow ourselves to accept what's happening we can't possibly like move through it to get to the other side on how that could have a positive effect on us like you said we don't know that the rain is bad Without the rain, we have nothing, right? Uh, Our world uh falls apart, right? We can't move through it to see the rainbow. We can't move through it to get on the other side of pain, to be open to another healthy relationship or a loving relationship or what Indigenous Peoples Day could be for the country in terms of acknowledging where we came from, the impact that we had and how we can move forward together instead of creating this polarizing friction where we're in our own bubbles all the time.
0: Completely. And I think sitting with pain, a lot of the things that we do are in in the name of avoiding pain. I can give my dog chocolate chip cookies all day and she'll eat them even at her own expense. And we live in a society that sells us convenience. And the more a vice becomes convenient, the more it becomes weaponized against us. And now we don't want to do difficult things. We don't want to defer gratification. And all of these are the recipe of growth. And again, it's something really important to understand because I'm, I'm going to say voluntarily leaning into pain, I think is extremely important, whether it's lifting heavy at the gym so you can help your friend move a couch, whether it's taking a cold shower to re-regulate your fight or flight, sitting in an ice bath or putting the phone away and saying, I'm just going to read for an hour, even if the anxiety starts shooting up because I haven't received a reward in 10, 15 seconds from scrolling. That is extremely essential in understanding that we live in a society that's not designed or encouraging us to avoid these rewards. But we've hit, I think we've already hit this plateau being overstimulated overfed now we're in a situation where it's like the most affordable foods that we have access to are killing us they're so processed they contain high amounts of salt and high amounts of sugar and what that's that what does to us on our insides how that makes us feel how that impacts our energy also
1: the packaging which has toxic ingredients like key yep. fast in it and which is also hurting the planet it's disposable yeah. for sustainability purposes it's a, it's a snowball of badness i like to say i you know it like,
0: really just, yeah and I made jokes with my friends about being traumatized by a paper straw, and being like, "I'm halfway through my drink, and my straw just worst. It's the worst." But and, and the joke I made to my friends is, like, "I go, I feel like tipping over a turtle. Like this is this has traumatized me so much that I I want to go the other way now instead of plastic straw company and just beat up turtles because this is so annoying." But it's, no,
1: man, the sh- the sugarcane and the bamboo ones are where it's at. Anytime I get a paper straw, I'm like, I'm just gonna drink out of the cup.
0: Yeah. And again, even as somebody with a big beard who just, who needs a straw, but it's it's that idea of just, I think how it goes the other way. But, and I think it's just, it's really important for us to just have the acknowledgement of it. where it's like, we are given every opportunity to avoid dealing with our. Mm -hmm. And as you said, working with, you're raising an individual with a lot of trauma and they're not in a position to articulate it, communicate it, realize that it exists. There's adults floating around not realizing that they're still carrying trauma.
1: Yeah, no, my foster kid is 10 times the emotional maturity of most adults because they're doing the work,
0: They're doing the work, yeah. And that's voluntarily in a safe space, revisiting those shadows, diving into them, whether that's journaling them, whether that's talking about them, whether that's screaming it out loud, whatever, whatever it may be. And it's just acknowledging that they're there. And I think that's a really important thing because even for me, I realized this whole concept of sitting with pain because I was one of those fixers. You came to me with a problem, I started fixing. And I was like, we joke about that being the culture. Men love to fix and women love to express. I was like, no, we don't know how to sit with our pain. You're triggering my pain. I just want you to shut up. So I'm gonna fix your problem or convince you that it's not a problem. If I can't fix your problem, I'll start telling you about starving kids in Africa and be like, at least you have it better than them. But the the actual goal is for me to just get you to stop triggering my pain. And then learning that empathy is Allowing the pain to be triggered. And then let's just hug it out and cry and just ex- sit with it and experience it, knowing, and everyone listening knows this, none of our emotions last. Not the pleasant ones that we wish stayed forever, not the horrible ones that we thought would last forever. They don't, they always pass because we are not our emotions. We are what is experiencing the emotions. We're not our thoughts. We are what is experiencing the thoughts. We're not this world. We're what's experiencing the world.
1: I love all of them. Okay, I like to always leave our listeners with some positive, actionable suggestions that they can take forward with them to be of service either to others or to work on themselves. I'd love to hear some of your ideas on what someone can do after they're done listening to the show today. If they're inspired, like what is something or some things that people could do to implement some of what we've talked about?
0: The simple yet not obvious truth about self-love is that you can love yourself the way you love other people, right? If you go on my Instagram right now, one of my pinned videos is me in my underwear in front of the mirror complimenting my body, saying, when is the last time we looked at our bodies without being critical? When was the last time we identified the favorite part of our body? When was the last time we said thank you to this body that has been with us since day zero, this body that has worked around our bad posture, this body that has worked around our poor food habits, This body that has worked around our binge drinking, whatever it may be. When was the last time we just said thank you and not looked at it and said, oh, I wish this would look different. I wish this looked different. And again, I modeled that because you got to walk the walk. And again, this isn't a book that's going to help you find your soulmate. This is a book that's going to help you realize it doesn't matter either way. Or
1: I'd argue you do find your soulmate and looking in the mirror and treating that person the way you'd want to treat a loved one.
0: And I love that, exactly. And loving, and as I said, loving yourself, I encourage people to create a connection with anybody. Vulnerability, being vulnerable. Vulnerability isn't zero or a hundred. There are ways to be vulnerable in between. My therapist recommended me carrying two vulnerable stories in my pocket that I could tell to a complete stranger that would not scare them off. So an example, a vulnerable story I have is about my puppy. This is my second puppy. I had a first dog lived out his life for 11 years. We had to put him to sleep. I talk about the trauma of that. I talk about not wanting a dog for 10 years after that. I talk about having somebody offer me this puppy and I say no, because I was gonna move from Toronto to, to the States. And then I talk about the few shots of tequila that I took after that and immediately said, I need the dog right now. Where is she? And she's a drunken impulse buy. But then also
1: there are worse things to have done when you were drunk.
0: Oh, completely. (laughs) And completely. And then talk about the fact that I got her during COVID. So every vet appointment, I dropped her off at the front door. And then once COVID subsided or people's concern for COVID subsided, I took her to the vet. And it was the first time I saw a large metal table since putting my first dog to sleep. And I had a very visceral reaction that I didn't expect. That is a vulnerable story I can share with a stranger and not worry about them running away and judging me. There's ways to be, and that will invite them an opportunity to be vulnerable with me. And that's where real connection is. Being vulnerable with yourself, that can come through the form of journaling. Another one I learned recently, and I don't think it matters what your spiritual beliefs are, prayer. And the reason I say prayer is because prayer is probably, and think about it from the traditional sense, leaning over against your bed with your hands together, whatever, that's the time that you will probably be the most honest about what you are thankful for and the most honest about what you actually want. And that is creating an opportunity for you to be ultra vulnerable again, out loud with yourself, no matter who you're praying to, whether it's the almighty algorithm, the the spaghetti monster in the sky, God, Santa Claus, it doesn't matter. Journey of asking, the journey of saying thank you is creating a level of vulnerability that I think is really important. And I think lastly, in the vein of self-love, as you do more work, you'll start to recognize gaps in your upbringing from those who raised you. Spoiler alert, those that raised you were flawed human beings, as all human beings are. There is an opportunity to go back and say, they messed me up. Or there's an opportunity for you to realize, oh, wait, I'm now an adult. I can fill in those gaps myself. I had a friend such a beautiful story. He took himself to the dollar store and he gave his inner child a shopping spree. And then he said, I walked out of there with $20 worth of chocolate bars. And it was like just this beautiful moment. He just told his inner child to to go wild. And I think that filled in a gap because he was raised by a single mother who struggled with addiction. And that was something that he probably never got the opportunity as a kid. And then that created an inner dialogue with him about his inner child stopped worrying about the candy. started asking him about why he was walking so fast or why he was looking both ways every time he crossed the street or whatever. And. It was just this beautiful little moment that I thought was just beautiful and just thinking, okay, we can identify the gaps in our upbringing, but now, and there's a chapter in the book that says loving yourself is being your own nurturing parent. We can hug ourselves. It's called self-havening. You know, we can honor ourselves. We can do a lot we can be our own best friends. We can do all of these things. We can, and the, the deeper we create a real connection with ourselves, the more love we'll realize and the less we'll do to chase love externally. But also, this will also prepare us to have qual- better quality relationships with other individuals.
1: I am glad that you brought up the um, nurturing parenting perspective. I had that as a topic for us that we didn't get to. And I would encourage listeners to go find The Humble Poet on Instagram. There's a video relatively recent where you talk more about that. And we'll also link to your website and YouTube, but it's all Humble the Poet. So if you're looking for more and your book, How to Be Loved, is available on Amazon. We'll put a link in the show notes, but I'm assuming it's at local bookstores or other places that people could check out as well.
0: If the book is available everywhere books are sold, So, know, obviously Amazon, Barnes & Noble, if you're in Canada, Indigo, Waterstones in the UK. But please, if you can support local bookstores, if they have it, they should have it. with a major publisher. So I'm hoping it made its round. You can always
1: request it. My local bookstore, even if they don't have something, I just ask and then it's in in a couple of days.
0: Yeah, and what we did, and we've done this before, we've never followed up to see if it actually worked, is what we ended up doing was we took, we bought a bunch of books and shipped them to independent bookstores as gifts and said you sell it at 100% profit or you gift them or do whatever we just want this to be available in your bookstore like um yeah so we have a list of of prominent independent bookstores in the country that we've done that to again what the bookstore owners have done with the books has been completely up to them so if they gave it away as a free gift to the next three people that came in it could be gone if they went and sold it knowing that it's all profit and it could be I don't know what it is but that was something that we we do because I think it is important and I'm such a big fan of community I think that just your immediate geographical location and the people in it matter that's your tribe that's your village spend time getting to know those people and supporting their businesses and stuff like that I think it's super important and I crave it sometimes in the isolation of Los Angeles.
1: Not my favorite city, which is literally just where I came from. It's funny, we swapped coasts yeah. and I took I, I took kiddo, who is a trans child, to L.A. And that was an entirely unique experience for them. They've never been on the West Coast or anything like that. So.
0: And I'm sure it could have been interesting. I think the one thing that I realized with the friends I have out here who aren't from here, nobody's from here that lives here, and I feel like the more unique your lifestyle or the more you know non-mainstream your lifestyle is the more comfort you people can find in LA and I feel like sometimes I feel oh I'm a lot more mainstream than I realize maybe this is why this isn't for me but in my, a lot of my friends who are in the LGBTQ community I think initially they love it they love the acceptance and then they start to realize oh once we become, but there are neighborhoods here where we are the majority and then we have other issues whether it's challenges finding monogamy or hyper materialism or hyper superficiality the
1: problem that I have with LA and the phrase that I use because we had a lot of Ubers is I just can say there's no substance here it's just it's all surface level for me like it's whether it's the stuff that you have or the superficiality and we talked about that already but I've moved past that phase of my life and now when I see it it's just so blaringly obvious that I'm like it's uncomfortable and gross so
0: yeah and it's also this is what this place was made for. I would try to remind myself like that. This place, And and I
1: have to remind myself too, like the pressures that people must be under to be on screen all the time and like all the judgment that they're feeling from other people. Like a, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today and how difficult it is to like fully let go of that when that is your community, that is, you're so steeped in that. But that's why when I'm out there, like I feel it and it feels like a weight on my chest. And I'm just like, I feel good about myself and who I am. And I don't like being in a place where people assume that I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great point. And then at the same time, we're grateful for LA when we turn on Netflix and we just yes. have a lot of popcorn crap to Literally binge to.
1: referenced a documentary while we were on here. Um, yes. so
0: thank you for doing that. I can't live <laughs> here, you know, but thank you. Thank you for giving me something to watch during the Thanks pandemic. Thanks for
1: taking one, for team. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have more conversation like this over on Patreon and talk about what we really thought. Patreon.com slash the whole view is the best place to ask questions too. If you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, the Patreon's a great way to support the show, but so is just leaving a review, hitting follow or subscribe and whatever app you're listening so that others can find us as well. And I've put a link to all of the resources and your books on realeverything.com so that everyone can find it. Thank you for tuning in today, listeners. We appreciate your willingness to Be open to growth through your own personal changes. No one is perfect, but in listening, learning, and unlearning, we can become better versions of ourselves.